and a message I call the reign of sin. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. May God bless the reading of his word tonight is my prayer. You may be seated. On a skull-shaped hill outside the ancient city of Jerusalem on a Friday long ago, men murdered their maker. From the divine viewpoint, of course, no man took the life of Jesus, for he gave it freely. He pointed out to us that he had the power to lay it down and the power to take it up again, and he proved that. Amen? I mean, what a great story. They had arrested Jesus mocked him. They gave him an illegal trial, a trial in which the verdict was determined before the first word of testimony was ever given. A classic case of a verdict searching for a crime. He was turned over to Pilate. He was scourged by the praetorium guard led through the streets of Jerusalem, stretched out on a cross and crucified at high noon. Darkness descended on the land and by three o'clock that afternoon, Jesus pierced the darkness with a one-word cry as recorded in John 19.30, Tetelestai, it is finished. Jesus was dead. This entire drama takes center stage in a discussion given by the Apostle Paul and sent to the churches at Rome and in our text that I've read you. It was around 25 years after uh, those events had played out in Jerusalem that Paul wrote the book at Rome, or the book of Romans, and it serves as a Holy Holy Spirit-inspired commentary to explain how and why These things happened the way that they did. Why this one crucifixion by Roman authorities of a Jewish peasant was to be seen as any different from the thousands and thousands of others that they had carried out in Judea and wherever the power of Rome and their dominion was established. It would also explain to the Jews and those Roman churches that Paul is addressing and their families and friends in the Jewish community, why the Jewish Messiah had to end up on the cross under the curse of God. As spelled out so long ago in Deuteronomy 21, 23, he that is hanged is accursed by God. So as he explained this truth to the Roman church's believers and unbelievers alike, Paul brings up this statement in our text that will serve as our passage, not only for consideration tonight, but also for Easter Sunday morning. Two reigns, he mentions in Romans 5. He discusses them in great detail. The word reign is translated from a Greek word, uh, basiluo, and it refers to the rule of a king, thus to reign. This is no democracy. It is the reign of a sovereign king. It is the reign of sin. 
and the reign of grace. The reign of sin and the reign of grace. Every person under the sound of my voice tonight is under the reign of one or the other. The reign of sin or the reign of grace. If there's a reign, of course, there has to be a king, a ruler, a sovereign, one who is on the throne. And we see that clearly in this text. Sin rules. And grace rules. Therefore, it is a throne where sin rules and sin is in power. Or it is a throne where grace rules and grace is in power. And so as Paul begins to explain the significance of this death of Jesus Christ as he is tying all of these things together and sending it to Rome, to these Roman churches, to the Jews in the churches, to the Romans in the churches, the Greeks and the Gentiles from all over who were in the churches, to give them equipment then as they spread this message out in Rome of a crucified Christ. He uses these two reigns as the centerpiece of his argument. I'd go so far to say to you tonight that you don't really understand the cross or the crucifixion of Jesus Christ unless you understand the reign of sin. Any Roman would know, the Jews would certainly know, that the reign of a throne does not just end Even if the sovereign dies, he will simply be replaced by another family member who will occupy then the throne. And he might be worse or better than his predecessor. But the throne doesn't just go away. The reign doesn't just stop. This is no game of thrones. It's no game at all. Paul describes a reign that is real, it is of eternal significance, it is life and death on an eternal scale. Put very simply, sin reigns unto death. Grace reigns unto life. Now, I hope you'll be back Easter Sunday morning so you can hear the second part of this message. Uh, I'd love to be able to preach it all in in one uh, thing, but I'm not going to do that. Sin reigns unto death. Grace reigns unto life tonight. The reign of sin. And we'll see the fact of it to begin with. Romans 5 and 12 says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Verse 18 then concludes after a parenthetical summary. He says, therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. Paul takes us all the way back to Adam. That is the one man in verse 12. By one man, sin entered into the world. That is Adam. And in order to explain the reason for the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, then Paul goes all the way back to where sin entered the human race. This is not where sin began. It had began earlier. It began with Lucifer's sin and rebellion when he with pride said, I will ascend to the mount of the Most High. It infected angelic beings who were sealed in their rebellion. There was no redemption for the angels. Those angels that sin are reserved 
in everlasting chains of darkness. They're headed for judgment. And for those angels, there is no escape. How do you explain that, Brother Rich? I, I can't explain it. best I've got is that unto whom much is given, of them much is required. The angels set un, with unveiled face before the incredible holiness of Almighty God for them to rebel against that incredible revelation they had was inexcusable, unredeemable. So it wasn't the beginning of sin that Paul is talking about. But the beginning of sin in the human race, and that was through Adam. Paul was likely at Corinth when he was writing the book of Romans. And just a few months later, he would write to the churches at Corinth. And he'd say almost the same thing he says in Romans 5. He said in 1 Corinthians 15, 21, For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made Alive. This is the great dividing line of humanity. We are all either in Adam or in Christ. He would tell us then that because of the sin of Adam, that sin and death would pass on to all humanity. You see, God made and designed humanity to be a procreating people. So when Adam sinned, then all of the humanity... Uh, which was, in a sense, in him, because they all, we all came from him, became sinners. With that sin came death, so that the progeny, like begets like, the progeny then of Adam are not just sinners, but dyers. Not just sinners, but dyers. So all the way back to, God, to Adam in the Garden of Eden, He gives us that fact that God had given him a simple instruction. Do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. One commandment. Do not. One do not. And he did it anyway. Paul then moves in Romans 5 very quickly to a statement about Moses. He says in verse 13, For until the law sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. Oh, listen, I could preach for a month in this passage, and I'm going to have to try to uh, squeeze it down for you a little bit tonight. So follow his thinking. Sin came through Adam. And therefore, it passed on through progeny, through his, to his progeny, through procreation. He was a sinner. He begat sinners. Uh, all those sinners died. So they weren't just sinners, but dyers. The law then came to enhance the rule, he says, of sin and of death. But even before the law came through Moses, people still sinned and they still died. The reign then of sin and of death was in full force it would be enhanced by the law but it still worked Adam to Noah people were born they lived a long time but they still died read Genesis 5 God looked down on the earth and he saw only evil in the hearts of humanity and he moved in judgment with the flood before the law was given 
After the flood, but still before the law, God would bring another move of catastrophic judgment on mankind, Sodom and Gomorrah. Remember, after the flood, the population of the earth was greatly reduced. So these cities in Abraham's time, the cities of the plain, the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah were, uh, were a very significant population center. Once again, evil was found. Once again, God moved in judgment all before the law of Moses. So if God is moving in judgment, then what was Paul talking about when he said that sin is not imputed when there is no law? What is he saying? Sin is not counted against us if there's no law. Well, we understand that. If if there's no law that says that the speed limit is 75, then you cannot be held accountable if you're going to drive 90 miles an hour or whatever. There's no law to break. If the law is not there, if there's no speed limit, there's no law to break, you cannot be held accountable then for breaking a law that doesn't exist. God had not given them the law yet that would tell them that sexual promiscuity was wrong. God had not given them a law yet that would tell them that same-sex sex was wrong. But I tell you what God had done. He had told them what was right. Follow Paul's thinking. Genesis 2.24. God said, therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife. Singular. Female. And they shall be one flesh. He had told them what was right. And so though the law had not come to tell them all the things that were wrong. Saying, don't do this, don't do this, don't do that. But they were still accountable to God. They still sinned. They still died. Why? Because they had failed to do what God had told them to do. That's the bottom line then. Men were sinners and they died in their sin. Even though they did not have the law of God to break. So they didn't sin like Adam sinned. Where God said don't do this and Adam did it this way. But yet the reign of sin and of death was still real because they had failed to do what God had told them to do. God's requirement is sinlessness. And yet none of us can produce that standard because we're sinners. Remember tonight, we're not sinners because we sin. We sin because we're sinners. It's not something then that we can determine by comparison. We all sin. And we all sin because we're all sinners. You may not be as bad as somebody else. You certainly are not as bad as you could be. But we all sin because we're all sinners and we all fall short of God's standard of righteousness. To see this play out in brutal detail tonight... Remember that when God created the heavens and the earth, he said repeatedly, and it was good. And it was good. And it was good. It was, I mean, everything God had created, it was all good. But can we look around at our world today and say that it is good? Nobody would say that. We, we can't be that blind. 
We can't be that foolish to look at the world today and say that it is good and functioning as God intended because it is not. The curse of sin is everywhere on display. Humanity is constantly at work degrading itself, defiling and destroying, procreating their sinful tendencies into the world over and over and over again. Modern humanity is not inventing new sins. It's not like we made all this up. All modern humanity is is due is finding new ways to sin the same old sins. That's all we've got. If I were an evolutionist, I'd be embarrassed. (laughs) Humiliated. I'd be too embarrassed to stand up in front of people, thinking people, and act like I'm a thinking person and spout off my theory that at its basic core demands that we believe that humanity is getting better. I don't have the guts to do that. (laughs) Man, I I don't know how they do it. Everywhere we see the signs that humanity is not getting better. Those of you who are as old as I am remember when you used to play a vinyl record that had a scratch in it and it kept skipping so it played the same thing over and over and over again. Uh, For those of you younger folks, the best I can do, it's like watching a movie that always ends the same way. And you watch it over and over and over again and it never changes. Humanity has been following this cycle of sin and of death all the way, all the way back to the garden. The reign of sin is ruthless. That is the fact of it. What then are the features of the reign of sin. We see them spelled out for us earlier in the chapter, verse 6, for when we were yet without strength. In due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commended his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, sinners, Christ died for us. We were without strength. What that means is we had no capacity within ourselves to help ourselves. The best that humanity has is that we might sin less. (laughs) But that don't make us sinless. Sinless is not the same as sinless. That's the best we got. We're yet without strength. Why? We cannot produce God's standard of righteousness. So we are yet sinners. We're without strength. We are ungodly. There's more. Verse 10, if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. We're talking about the features then of this reign of sin. So it's making us ungodly. It is making us without strength. It is making us yet sinners. And we are enemies, enemies of God. Romans 8 and 7, he'll bring it up again and say in verse 8, so the the carnal man is enmity against God for it's not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot, cannot please God. See, under the reign of sin, humanity isn't just alienated from God. Under this reign of sin, humanity is actually hostile toward God. The Romans would have instantly recognized that in the culture they lived in ancient Rome. Those Roman churches knew all about the hostility against the Christian faith and message. 
When they weren't getting it from the Romans, they were getting it from the Jews. I mean, they knew all about how the message of Jesus Christ and the reign of grace was was hated. But you know, we instantly recognize this enmity today as well. Because it's flourishing in our world. Our culture becomes more and more evil by the moment. The truth of God, the truth of Scripture is subject to scorn and ridicule on a level that I've never seen before. But don't be fooled, folks. It has been this way before. The Apostle Paul gave us in horrifying detail the features of the reign of sin at the very beginning of this book, the book of Romans. I'm going to read it to you. You want to see the features of sin, of the reign of sin, in horrifying detail. He spelled it out. Verse 24, Romans chapter 1. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause, God gave them up to vile, unto vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet or fitting. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, Inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. When the apostle says twice that they would do those things that are not convenient, he was telling us that they are going to work hard at their evil. This is the reign of sin. You have to work hard at it. But then not only does humanity do those things, but they delight in them. They have pleasure in them. They delight in it. This is the relentless, ruthless rule and reign of sin. Taking humanity down a road of depravity and death and defiance of God. Headed to eternity in hell and deserving every minute of it. 
again tonight, remember, we, you, you may sin less, but you're not sinless. It's easy for us to look at that long list and say, well, you know, I'm, I'm not caught up in that kind of stuff. You may sin less, but you're not sinless. We face then eternal condemnation because if we're not sinless, we're sinners. And being sinners, that means we are dyers. Sin and death. I've read you enough passages out of Romans chapter 5 tonight that you know, thank God, that the reign of sin has been deposed. It's what we celebrate this time of the year. The rule of a sovereign, remember, doesn't just end. The rule has to be deposed by force as a greater ruler replaces the other. That's the rule of grace. Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men under justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Look at that passage carefully. Because it tells us that while justification is available to all men. So that all men can be saved. While it is available to all men. Then this justification offered to us through Jesus Christ though doesn't apply to all men. Many will be made righteous. Many. And certainly tonight we stand here in testimony of that simple fact. Yes, indeed, many have been, many are being made righteous because of what Jesus Christ did for us in ending the reign of sin. Many. So the, uh, the offense of one, judgment came upon all, sin came upon all men, sin passed upon all men through procreation, like begets like. All men in Adam then are sinners, and because they are sinners, they are under the reign of sin and the reign of death. But many can and will be and have been made righteous through the reign of grace. The question is... How do you get to be one of the many? I'm glad you asked that tonight. And again, right here in the book of Romans, you just keep reading. Romans 10, 9. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The reign of sin. Sin reigns unto death. 
But I hope you'll be here Sunday morning and we'll celebrate and see how it plays out here in this glorious text. Because Jesus has broke the reign of sin and implemented the reign of grace. And it is available to all who believe on the name of Jesus Christ and who call on him. I wish somehow I could make sure that every, I wish I could reach through a camera tonight and, and, and make it happen for everybody who might be watching. I just want to remind you tonight, right where you sit, where you stand, wherever you are, you are either under the reign of sin or the reign of grace. The reign of sin is death. The reign of grace is life. Because Jesus Christ broke the reign of sin and implemented the reign of grace. It is available to you, but it will only apply to you if you call on the name of the Lord. Will you do that tonight?